today on The Breakdown. Some people call them stars. Some people call them celebrities. Some people call them luminaries. These are some of poker's biggest money winners playing heads up in a $100, $200 cash game from Live at the Bike. It's Dan Smith. He of the top 10 all-time money winner resume against Darren Elias, a guy who not too long ago was tearing up the World Poker Tour and is also found you know, somewhere on those all-time lists, not nearly as high as Dan Smith anyway. They're going to play a hand that a lot of people have suggested to us very recently, like in, in short suggestion. We're excited to talk about it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. In short suggestion? I don't know. Is that what I said? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think maybe you meant in short order. I probably did. Yeah. 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 This hand, uh, although it came out recently for us, it'll be a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Sin- until the listener experience oh, is yeah. fulfilled. Correct. So time is, you know, it's just the fourth dimension. Don't worry about it. Thank basically. you for not saying time is a flat circle. I hate that. I'm super down on that. A lot of people are writing that now. A lot of people tweeting that. I know True Detective is back. It's all very exciting, but it's a dumb thing to say. No one should say that. That's right. I'm planting a flag. Okay, well, I didn't say that. I know. I'm thanking you for that. Well, a thing that I don't want people to say is that escalated quickly. Can you guys stop saying that? That's been like five years of people saying that shit. Five years? Dude, when did Anchorman come out? That's oh, from that Anchorman. From, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah it's after the newscaster fight. Okay, so it's from like 14 Brick years. Brick killed the guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's from way, you're, way back. You're right. Yeah. Shit. It, Paul Rudd's. Maybe that's why I'm so tired of it. <laughs> people <laughs> yeah. still say that. It was a pretty great moment, you know? Maybe I didn't realize time had passed because Paul Rudd looks the same. <laughs> maybe that is why. That was before Steve Carell was a big star. That was just before. Yeah, he was already on the Daily Show and stuff, right? Yes, the, that's yeah. right. But he wasn't on The Office yet. The 40-year-old version hadn't happened yet. Now he's a rich dude, just big rich guy. Yeah, and now he's in more serious movies and stuff. Yeah, he plays some serious roles, you know. But he's, also, he makes money in like the Minions, all the Minions movies. Oh yeah, he does that. That's a good. That's a good gig. That is the gig. This gig sucks. We're available for voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> we are available for voice acting. I feel like I'd be really good in like Into the Spider Verse two or something. I want. I want to play a part. I'll be the shocker. Look, let's let's do a little let me do a little audition <laughs> right now. Okay. No. Okay. Spider-Man, I'm gonna kill you with my electricity. Here I go. I don't think they ask you to make the sound effects. <laughs> I was just like helping them though, because you know, like normally they probably are able to add it, you know, at the audition, but here they wouldn't be able to. I'm just helping them out. You're welcome, producers all over the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're very happy. Now they don't have to seek out your reel. Um so <laughs> So somebody who would always play a serious role is Dan Smith. He seems to, to always be pretty serious. Really? He's the guy who wears that huge cowboy hat. He has a very serious demeanor, but he does goofy things. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of strange. He's got his own style. Yeah. That's what he's, he's forging a trail, his own trail. You know, he's not walking down the beaten path. He's walking where there is no path and leaving a trail behind for others to follow. I mean, you know, by wearing a cowboy hat at the <laughs> poker table. You said it was goofy. You don't think you don't think anybody's worn a cowboy hat at the poker table I before? I mean, have okay. you heard of Doyle Brunson? <laughs> Probably. Have, have you heard of cowboys? Is really the best <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah, some of them play poker. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played with that many people who've uh, worn cowboy hats, and I played a lot of poker against a lot of people. I played a f- against a few, but very few yeah. actually. I'd say I've played against somewhere in the range of twenty to twenty-five cowboy hats. 
Yeah, okay, something like that. But I played against a lot of ranchers. So have you, by the way. Yeah, but the ranchers these days they wear trucker hats. They don't wear cowboy hats. At least when they when they play poker. Right, right. Probably when they're you know ranching. Yeah, they probably wear the cowboy hat sometimes. I don't even know what the point of a cowboy hat is. Is there any value to it versus a normal hat? There probably is. Yeah, it stops the sun from all directions. Cool. What do you mean cool? Why, why do you say why, it like that? Why wouldn't why wouldn't everyone have those hats then? Like why? Because you're not a cowboy in the sun all day. But people who are outdoors don't wear those, right? They just wear normal hats if they wear hats at all. Like what professions? Uh baseball. Uh, okay, but you're a baseball player. Why don't they wear a freaking okay. full brim? It's a fair question because you need the visibility if you're a baseball player. Oh, but the the front the it's brim also, is like, right it's in the un, front. It's unwieldy. A cowboy hat you can't run behind, around with a cowboy hat. You can have it behind you. There's no visibility. It's knocking out. You can protect the back of your neck. No one's trying. Some baseball players wear those like mesh things that come out of the back of their hat well, on about, hot days. That's good. That's a start. And if you think about people who work out outdoors all the time, they don't necessarily wear cowboy hats, but they do wear modern versions that are the do the same thing as cowboy hats, like bucket hats that are like a bit longer, you know, like like desert hiking type hats that have like a brim all the way around, protect you from the sun. So, there's there's value to the sun so, protection. So you went from the, no one would do it. It's dumb. There's no visibility. It's a terrible idea. No, I to everyone no, does it. No, that was just about <laughs> baseball. <laughs> I think your cowboy hat take is terrible and you should be removed what, from the What air. is my take? Your take is that they have no value. That is not my take. That's my what, take. That is what you actually said. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean it's my take. That's completely different than my take. You're impossible <laughs> to be on a podcast with. Why do I do it? Debate me. Are you Ben Shapiro now? <laughs> okay, moving on. Ben Shapiro? No, don't worry. He's a jerk. Uh, all right, okay. so we have Dan Smith who wears a cowboy hat sometimes, but not, not during this. Right. Yeah. He's not wearing it this time. So that, that might be a tell. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Dale Brunson also wears a cowboy hat. Anyway, this hand was suggested by a lot of people. Yeah, how many people? Five, it looks like. And it's only been out like in our world, like for like two days or something. Yeah, like, in, this, days, so. in this universe. Yeah, which there could be infinite branches from here until the time that you hear this. So I don't know which one you're in. Hopefully, it's a good one. Um, it was suggested by Taberic, all caps. Cool. Matt Dorfman, Carl Pino, Derek Brown. I believe he's from South Africa. Oh, South Africa. Yeah. Fantastic. Are you going to say the word marketing, though? Marketing. I look in marketing like that. I would not say that. <laughs> yeah, I would not. And, of course, a luminary of our own Ben Page. Ah, the great Ben Page. Yeah. He who is Ben. <laughs> wow. This is the first one of the day, too. <laughs> oh, hail. Mr. Page. Hall of Famer. Man, I don't he's know. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, he's a Hall yeah. of I mean, no, he's... He's currently in the league. He's not yeah. yet had time to become inducted into the Hall of Fame. Okay, fair enough. But he's like... It'd be weird if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame he at might, this point, he's, right? He's probably rubbed a couple of his teammates the wrong way. He might be like T.O. where like he should be first ballot, but really it's going to take yeah, a little extra time. That sounds about right. Because everybody's like, who's this Ben Page jerk who's taking <laughs> all, my, all my daylight? <laughs> all my daylight. <laughs> yeah. Well, we went from talking about Ben Page as a journalist to uh, now we've moved into a much higher falutin territory. It depends on your perspective, man. Maybe in oh. terms of financial compensation, higher falutin. But I would say... What? The journalism is the last bastion of democracy. That's fine, but how is this higher? How is it more money to be a Poker Guy's Hall of Fame suggester than to oh, actually have we a were, job? I thought you were referring to him as like an athlete because oh. that's the context in which we speak of the Hall oh, of Famers. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think he's an athlete. I don't know how we get new listeners. 
I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> Somehow this podcast is growing. Do they just popular. like fast forward through the first seven minutes every time or something? I don't know. Let's I wonder get... if a lot of how many. I guess you can't answer this, but I'd love to know how many of you just like are like hitting the, the thirty second skip button until you get to us actually getting the hand. As, There's got to be some percentage of you. I wonder what the percentage is. It's, it's no no lower than five percent certainly. Oh my god, it's way higher than five percent. What's it's the like, upper echelon? Twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I would 20, guess it's like twenty percent. Twenty percent. That sounds. That's fair. All right. Well. Welcome to all of you who just started listening. It's time to talk about the hand. Okay. All right. 100, 200, 400. It's a cash game. We don't usually see Dan Smith playing cash games. We always see him playing high-stakes tournaments. Yep. But here he is, um, and there is a straddle on, so it's a deep game. And we've done a couple of these 100, 200 live with the bike games recently. Often, both players involved in the hand, or three, however many there are, are super, super deep to like weird extents. That's not the case here. Dan Smith actually is not super, super deep to a weird extent. Mm -hmm. Darren Elias, who is his opponent in the hand, is a little bit deep. He's got 70K. That's pretty deep. Yeah, that's 350 blinds. Yeah, but there is a $400 straddle on, so it makes it half as deep. Okay, true. And he's in the small blind. Everybody folds. He's in the small blind with Jack of Spades, Jack of Hearts, and he raises to 1,600. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. No, you made a face like that. Well, because I forgot there was a straddle for 400 just for a quarter of a second. I was like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, straddle. Yeah, that makes sense. He's not 8Xing it. Folds to Dan Smith, who is in the under the gun slash straddle spot. He has king of diamonds, 10 of spades, and he only has 22K in front of him. So it's really like he has like 55 effective blinds. Right. Yeah, he had 110, but now it's 55. Yeah, okay. So he's got king 10 off. He's going to have to defend this. It's a mandatory call. You could even three bet. It would probably help to be deeper to three bet. But, but yeah, yeah, you get in weird spots. You don't want to get. I mean, it's not really weird. You're just gonna fold if you get. I mean, you, you get could re-raised. get effectively jammed on if you three bet with this deck, right? Like you make it what five k something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think if he's going with the hand, he's gonna jam. And in fact, with the hand that Elias has, I assume he would just jam jacks. Yeah. Rather than have to like play, see a flop, and so often flop an overcard and maybe make a bad fold sometimes, and right. you just, don't just wanna, do things doesn't want to. You just want to mess around with a guy like Dan Smith, who's so good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he calls with King of Diamonds, Ten of Spades. That all seems reasonable to it me. It does. Pot is $3,500. The flop is not one that Elias wanted to see. Everybody hates jacks, man. You know why? Because the ace always comes. That's always. kings. Well, it comes for the jacks, too. Okay, but it's kings. Or is it with jacks? You don't know how you got beat, but you got beat. Yeah, you're always beat. There's three ways to play jacks. And they're all wrong. <laughs> That's one of those terrible poker sayings. Yeah. Okay. 3500 in the pot. Jacks against King 10. Flop is Ace of Diamonds, Deuce of Spades, Three of Diamonds. Smith has the King of Diamonds in his hand. That's the only thing either player really enjoys about this flop. Yeah. I guess Smith has more of a high-end range advantage here, maybe. I mean, he has more 4-5. That's all I mean. Yeah, he has a... I mean, he has a... Is he defending 4-5 off, you think? No, I think suited. Well, then they both have the same 4-5s. You think Elias is raising from the small blind? With four five to six, I think he probably is. What do you think he's going to do? Just complete to four hundred? I think that's, yeah, I think he might do that. I'd be shocked. He's going to play the hand out of position when he can just raise and take it down sometimes and be able to win on flops. Oh, not flops like this because of course you flop the nuts. But like, like an ace win, ten, ace ten, like an ace ten six flop, you get to win a lot of the time. Well, I understand the like reasons that. that people raise suited connectors. But, yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are just limping the small blind in a spot like this where it's not necessarily going to get raised that often. With, with hands that... Really? Yeah. I feel like Dan Smith, the straddlers, when they're in position, raise all the time. All I mean, the time when people just complete. 
Sure. I mean, of course, a player like Darren Elias is going to have a relatively balanced strategy in a spot like this, and he's going to limp some other hands, too, if he's limping 4-5 suited, that he's going to either, either three better be very strong with. I just wouldn't expect him to limp anything as the first guy in. I just expect him to not do that. You just think that because of the straddle? Yeah. You don't yeah, mean, yeah, because you would never say that if you're just talking about small blind, big blind. Correct. But right. the straddle really changes it, Okay, in my mind. All right. Well, if you're right, then there is no range advantage except that Elias right. has a range advantage. He but has... what you said, to your point, if he's limping 4-5 suited, then yes. Yeah. Dan Smith's got the tippy-top end of Embiid. Elias has more value, though, in general, because he has more big aces. Smith is going to three-bet a lot of his big aces pre-flop. Yep. Also, Elias has pocket aces a whole lot more than Dan Smith does. Right. They have the same amount of deuces and threes. Yeah, I think so. So it's a, it's a minor range advantage. I mean, but I don't know if it's really minor. If you have all the big aces and he doesn't, you've got the pocket aces and he doesn't, that's pretty good. And everything yeah. else is the same. That feels like a pretty strong range advantage. Anyway, go on. All right, so we get to one of the simpler spots in poker that has, for my entire poker career, always been like, I'm not sure if I'm doing right. the right thing here. Yeah. Like, where you're out of position in a spot like this where your range is wide, your opponent's range is wide, it's an ace-deuce-three flop, and you have two jacks, to better to check. Right. Like, I hate both options so much. Let's spend some time on this because this is something that I think you, you run up against, I run up against. Everybody does. Everyone does. It happens all the freaking time. It always sucks. You never really know if you're doing it right or not. Let's at least, let's like kick this around a little bit. This is okay. what this, this podcast is for, right? Moments yeah. like this. So let's do it. All right. So what are the pros of betting? What are the cons of betting? Let's start there. Because the pros of betting are you don't have to check call at least, like you probably have to check call at least twice if you check, right? Um, depending a, on your opponent. Against sure. a Dan Smith type guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Twice. Which is a super high variance and sucks. And you have no idea where you are. Correct. You have no clue. Correct. Like, you don't know what you're trying to avoid. You don't know if he just got there on the turn. You have nothing, right? Right. That sucks. Betting is not quite a game theory disaster, but it does feel like it sucks a lot. Like It's not entirely a game theory disaster, though. Like you said, Dan's going to call with, uh, or opponents even, are going to call with pocket pairs that are worse, um, maybe gut shots sometimes because they're in position, uh, pairs just in general. If, they, if Dan Smith has, like, Six four, I mean that that's a that's a straight draw also. So no no that's not a straight draw. It's ace deuce three. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, he's got six three suited. He's gonna call. Is he gonna call pre flop? Six three suited. I think he is. Don't you? He's gonna be in position with six three suited. Sure. Yeah, it's four x and he's only got fifty five effective blinds. I mean it's not nothing. Fifty five is pretty good. He right. can reach in his pocket and get more anytime he wants. You think he's calling with all suited threes and deuces in this spot? I would guess because he's Dan Smith, he is. He's probably going to think he can just outplay his opponent when he gets to that position also. And he's already put 400 in, but I don't know if that's true. Well, if he's calling with all suited threes and deuces, then betting is fine. Yeah. Because he's not three-betting those as often as he's three-betting his aces, which means that more of Dan's pairs are hands that jacks are beating and hands that he's going to call with. That means betting is better. But let's talk about this from a more typical perspective Great. against an opponent. Like, I wouldn't expect that the majority of opponents are going to call in Dan Smith's spot with king three suited. They're just going to fold a lot of people. Okay. You don't All right, think let's, so? I, I don't necessarily think so, but there's so many, but I don't know how important that really is because there's still so many more aces because all the offsuit aces are calling, but none of the offsuit threes and deuces right. are calling, right? So we still can eliminate most of the threes and deuces compared to the aces. Yeah. So I still true. think there's, there's probably, uh, even though the, the top end aces are probably three betting. 
Yeah. Like ace kings three betting, probably ace queens three betting a lot anyway. Yeah. Um, sometimes some of the other aces are going to three bet just because they feel like it. But then all the other aces are going to call, right? So many aces are going to call because it's like auto, you see an ace hand, it's like an automatic call, right? right? You're never going to fold the hand. And you could get raised by a flush draw on a board like this, by the way, when you bet with jacks. Is there two of what's two diamonds? There? Two diamonds, right? Um, yeah, you could get raised by a flush draw. You could also get raised by a gut shot. Yep. Which would suck. Yep. Because you kind of have to fold if you get raised, or you can well, just decide not to. And but then you're like, okay, I guess I'm basically committing twenty thousand to this pot. Right. You're just committing the full the guy's yeah. full stack because you're going to get fifty five blinds in anytime the guy wants to. Yeah. This is part of the problem with the sort of more passive play here. Although it sucks either way, right? If the guy wants to get in, you can get in no matter what. Yeah. But um, he sh- Dan Smith is short enough. That he can effectively, can he actually get all in if we check uh, if we check all three streets? I think so. Yeah, he's got about twenty k. Well, he's got like yeah, just over twenty k. And there's thirty like five hundred. Thirty five hundred. You can bet two k, five k, all in, no problem. Sure, you can even bet probably twenty five hundred. Yeah, sixty five hundred all in really easily. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good point. So he can get in no matter what. Yeah. There's no there's no avoiding that. So the question is. So, so the real question becomes, yeah, do we think we do better? And I guess this, this ultimately is about opponents, right? It like is. In these spots. Like, do we think we do better betting so that way we sort of define the hand a little bit? If he's sticky, we want to bet because he's going to be sticky with hands that we want him to be sticky, like, you know, smaller pairs and stuff like that, too. If he's tighter, I don't know. Should we just be checking if he's tighter? I, I want to get back to that. Okay. I want to first analyze this not from an opponent perspective because that's not really as helpful because it's hard to have a huge profile on your opponent as a lot of the time a, as a listener of it. Like if you're Fair dro- dropping yourself into the millionaire maker this this summer and this right. happens, you're not going to know your guy you're playing against. Yeah. So you don't know anything about the player. What are you going to do? I think I'm usually going to bet, and I'm going to bet because this is my board to bet on. Yeah. And it's not his board. And so I feel like I'm going to be betting a lot of good, a lot of my aces here and stuff like that. So I want to bet, I don't have to bet all my big pocket pairs, but I want to bet some of them. And Jack's feels like the beginning of the pocket pairs. I could consider betting like Kings, I think is a check. I'm going to have some give ups also. Um, Queens is probably a check. You're going to have to explain that. Cause a lot of people would think, why would you bet Jackson, not Kings? That's what, their oh. initial thought, like kings are better, right? So. Oh yeah, kings are way better. Yeah, well, mainly because you have less to be afraid of on the turn, right? Like yeah. if you have jacks, then a king and a queen can come in. As we see, Dan actually has a king. That would be really bad. Yeah. If we have kings, then a king is good for us. And there's no card. Or if the guy has, if you have kings and the guy is queen jack, it's fi- you actually want him to pair his right. hand, right? Versus you don't want him to pair his hand if you have jacks. So you have more to protect against, more equity pr- to protect. But it's with not jacks. that much that you're protecting. It's against. not that much. I agree. But I'm saying, like, in terms of not knowing where you are, you define the hand a little bit more, a little bit more. I mean, there's a problem of getting called by worse hands. Like, of course. We're not sure if our opponent, because we don't know our opponent, is actually going to have suited deuces and threes. A lot of opponents won't. And at the same point, we're going to get three bet a lot by tens, nines, eights in positions like this. So we don't have a ton of worse pocket pairs that they can call with. By, oh, you mean pre-flop? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. No, I'm, I wouldn't be targeting. I would assume there's not too many pocket pairs here. Like maybe eights and worse, yeah. maybe. But I would think nines plus are usually three betting. Yeah. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot to get called by, which is really problematic. Right. And on the, this board specifically. And, and if we're ahead and we get action, 
a lot of the times it's going to be from a flush draw or a gut shot, like we said earlier. And a lot of the a, a capable opponent is going to raise that a lot of the time, and that becomes a problematic scenario. The other thing a capable opponent's going to do is. If they don't raise, they're going to call, but they're going to rep either one that comes in. Right. You know what I mean? You're not going to know where you are. Yeah. So, like, if a four comes in, a five comes in, a diamond comes in, and we check, he's probably betting all of it, unless he's got a solid made hand that we probably don't feel good about anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. means he probably already has an ace a lot if he's checking it back, right? So, that's a real problem. I mean, real the, problem. the thing that really sucks is, you know, you've been in this spot and you've put the chips out and the, hand, and the chips release and you're like, please fold. You want them to fold. And yet it's sort of like you were saying, a game yeah. theory disaster type spot where if they fold, they're always folding a worse yeah. hand. They're never folding a better hand, right. which is not good. Right. And this is, of course, the whole conundrum. Yeah. All right. Let's look at it from the other point of view. Okay. Let's talk about checking. Okay. So the best thing about checking is worse hands don't fold. You keep the worse hands alive. Yes, I mean, like if he has if he has nine ten suited, he can pair a ten or a nine, and and then you can get a little bit of value. That's yeah. good. Also, of course, a major good thing about checking is you give the, your opponent a chance to bluff, so you can make more. You get more value out of your jacks right now. Right, ten nine suit, ten nine of spades is just going to fold if we see, but maybe they'll bluff if we check. Right, that's great. That's great. Um, of course, the problem is we don't do anything to learn anything about our opponent's hand, and we're just kind of. Guessing in the dark as we move forward. I mean, either way, there's just going to be a lot of guessing now, yeah. right? This is just sort of how it is. So what's the best, again, sort of an unknown opponent, what's the, what's the optimal line? This is, I know, where we started, but I'm sort of asking it again. Because... I think I go back to something you said, and I suppose it's probably betting because we're supposed to have more aces in our range. We're supposed to have more top-end value in our range than our opponent. So even though this is one of those hands that we really don't want to bet, because basically it's a value hand that we're asking for a fold with, which makes no fucking sense at yeah, all. Yeah, it makes no but sense. But that's what we're doing. Just to to try to mitigate all these factors because everything is shitty, yeah. we bet because we have a range advantage, and that's when we're supposed to bet. That's the easiest way to distill it for me, even though it doesn't solve the intellectual problem of how to make this feel good. Because there's no way to make it feel good when you have jacks on this board. I think maybe part of the solution also is where it's as murky as it is right here. This is such a murky spot, right? And it's yeah. the spot people are in all the time. Probably the answer also is don't do everything 100% of the time. Like bet sometimes and check sometimes, you know, so that way it's not so easy to play against you either. You know what right. I mean? Sometimes like you're going to check jack, sometimes you're going to bet jack. So it's harder to deal with it as an opponent also, you know? On a board like this, you could do it as simply as, if I have the jack of diamonds, I'm going to bet. And if I don't have the jack of diamonds, I'm going to bet be, or uh, check because I my opponent has more flush draws then that they can bluff with. So I can go into check call. Mode. Ah, that's great. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. I like that a lot. Yeah. So maybe that's a good way to think about it. So where you don't block your opponent's bluffs, yeah. you give them more opportunities to do that bluff and with the intention of calling at least for a while. Right. Against, right. And against a player who seems competent at all, we're going to have to call at least twice. Of course, the, one of the problems with these plans is you, you call twice and then they shove the river and you, and you fold a lot and they were just bluffing the whole way. And it's like... Well, not everybody pulls off triple barrel bluffs that a lot. Often. A lot of people don't. Yeah, I know. Not, a lot of people give that, up. It's not that common. Like generally... I know when we talk on this podcast, it gets easy. If, if you don't play that much poker and you listen to this podcast a lot, it's probably easy to think like people are making these plays all the time. Right. But when somebody triple barrels, you should usually fold. Right. Like if you don't have it, like people usually have it when they triple barrel. They're right. not Dan Smith. Right. Right. You know, it's a different situation. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so, yeah. So I think I think a mixed strategy is probably good. And I like I like using the the flush draw card or lack yeah. thereof as a way to sort of help you make decisions about it. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. 
so betting if you have the Jack of Diamonds, checking if you don't. That would be, I guess, what I would do on this board. Right, because there's less flush draws. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, that's good. But, of course, when we get to the player-dependent thing, there are some players that you obviously have to do certain things against. Like, if it's Andy from Live with the Bike... Yeah. You, well, you can do two things. You, you can, can bet, but never. You just yeah. can't fold against you can, this guy. You can bet, never fold against Andy, or you can check and just let Andy blast off and never fold. I think my plan against Andy would be to check call. Yeah. I just go check call, check call, check call. Did I win? Did I lose? I yeah. have no idea, Andy. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, of course, a guy like Andy is used to people doing that against him. Right. And he knows on these kinds of boards, well, he's got to decide, like, because if I have ace 10, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. You know, if I have ace yeah. king, I might do the same thing against him, too. Right, like, of I might, like, just. I mean, just play all one pair of hands against him the same way. All reasonably good one yeah. pair of hands against him the same way. And he's like, oh, this guy's in check call mode against me, so I'm not going to bluff him now. You know what I mean? And then you have to, like, you got to play the iterated game with him is what I'm saying. And yeah. Like, you know, and so sometimes then you have to now you have to bet again and you have to check fold other kinds of hands. You got to, you know, you got to show him a whole bunch of stuff so that way you can get away with the check calling down. And I think the, it toughest, obvious. the toughest thing is to be against a really tight player because then you're in a spot where, like, okay, I'm basically doing a pure game theory disaster against a really tight player. So it's just check, fold. fold. Just yeah. check, fold. If they're the kind of guy who's never going to bet, who's going to check back all their misses and is never going to bet anything less than an ace, yeah, it's just a check, fold, and that's fine. You're, it's completely fine to do that. Yeah, I suppose so. And, and I say never. It doesn't have to really be never, right? It could just be most of the time is fine as well. So, um, so I think that's fine too. Um, part of it is understanding that this situation it lends itself to not playing perfectly. Right. Like you, you're, you can't see the whole cards, and you're going to make mistakes. It's not even necessarily a mistake, but like if you could see their whole cards, you're going to make decisions that you wouldn't have made, right? Um, and that's okay, because this is the whole point of the game, right? Sometimes it's tough. Yep. And, uh, and then as you get against tougher players, there are players who are going to float you in position and stuff like that. And then against those guys, it, it gets harder and harder, and you have to come up with new and better plans against them, right? Yep. Where it's like, I guess I bet, and then I'm going to have to check call against these guys in position because I'm out of position, and I know they're just going to float me with two eights and stuff like that. Right. Well, okay. I'm glad we had that discussion. That was interesting. Speaking of floating in position, Elias does bet. Mm. Dan Smith does call. See, that's there you go. That's definitely floating in position right Right, there. Right, because Dan has king high. Now, this is not exactly a float because Dan could have the best hand with king high as played. I mean, it's still a float. It's, it's a, a float. I mean, a, it's a float, but he's it's calling also, with the intention to take it away on the turn. Uh, okay, right? all I'm saying is different than calling with seven eight, right? Because king high actually could be good. King high could be good, but it's gonna, you know, it's not easy for it to be good. How about it's that? It's kind of easy for it to be good. I mean, we're losing to pretty much all the other, all Darren's better king highs, which is the only king highs he probably shows up with. Okay. Um, maybe as king nine suited sometimes. I mean, you thought he was raising four or five suited for sure, right? I did. So that's there's a true. ton of suited connectors. That's a good point. Paying. That's a good point. Of course, you didn't think he was raising four yeah. or five suited. So in your mind, there isn't a ton of suited connectors. So we don't know what the answer is. I didn't is. say he's not ever raising. I was just saying it's possible that he wouldn't. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I do think he is raising them. I, I agree with you. So then you're right. Then there's a ton of suited connectors. And yeah, with the diamond as the, the two back doors, actually, that Dan Smith has, I'm sure that just plays into it. These days, if you've got two back doors and one of them is like a nut draw, 
the good players just don't fold if they have if they're deep enough. They just call right. and like wait and see what happens. Also, calling this is something we've talked about in the podcast a lot. But calling is a good way to if he decides to bluff later, just rep a wider range. You know, mm-hmm. when Darren has a hand exactly like Jack's, it's perfect, right? Because yes, Dan can't rep Ace Eight if he raises. That doesn't make much sense. No, Dan's repping like Ace Deuce, Ace Three, a set, or a four, straight. Five, yeah, that's that's about it. And so, but by calling, if if he gets a check on the turn from Darren, now he, now he can have Ace Eight and bet and right. Ace Nine and bet and Ace. Six and bet and all that kind of stuff, and it's much tougher for Darren. And Dan's just really looking for that diamond on the turn because yeah. it's so fun to have the nut blocker. The ace of diamonds is out there. Dan will have the blocker the best possible hand. Now he's not deep enough for the nut blocker to be as important as if they were deeper. Mm-hmm. But he's still they're still deep enough. I think. Yeah, it still matters, but it's not like Darren's ever going to consider folding a flush. No, I agree with that. Right, I but if they were that. both 180 blinds deep, you can get Darren oh, yeah. to fold the second nut flush sometimes. But instead of, tr- but that's you know that's always really optimistic and ambitious. Rather than trying to be make these super ambitious plays, even just having the nut blocker means your opponent doesn't have it. It's tougher for him to have a flush in lots of ways. It's good. It's just yeah. really good. And he may feel obligated to fold like two pair and stuff like that if he bets a flushy Turner River card. Yeah. Anyway, so there's the bet from Elias, the barf bet, because, of course, he's just as unhappy as anybody with Jax in this yeah. spot, especially when he's against an opponent where he's like, maybe Darren doesn't rate Dan as better being better than him, but he knows at least that Dan is really fucking good. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, and everybody else rates Dan as being better than him, but so yeah. it's not a good spot. Um, so Dan calls. The pot is 6,300. I have something to say before you get to whatever you're going to get to. This feels important. Okay. Uh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I know you bring it up every yeah. time. Yeah. But seriously, dude. I just feel like... I don't care what your cat did when you were 12. <laughs> okay. His name is Fleetwood. Yeah, that's a pretty cool name. I agree. I admit. Okay, Fleetwood Cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good name. <laughs> Actually, we, his name was Fleetwood, but we didn't call him Fleetwood Cat ever, and I regret that. You should tremendously. regret that. I mean, I was a kid. It's not my fault. You can now posthumously call him Fleetwood Cat. I can, but I'm not going to. You just did. But I, w- I didn't mean it. Anyway, here's the thing I actually want to say. Fleetwood Cat. That was weird. It's like a superhero. He's dead. Leave him alone. The, uh, undead superhero. That's the next generation of superheroes. Zombie superheroes? Mm, could be zombies. Zombie cat Some superheroes. Some form of undead. Zombie cat superheroes is really pretty sweet. Yeah. Vampire cat superheroes. We're going to get on that, on that screenplay right now. That sounds good. Anyway, the thing I wanted to talk about is how when people are playing poker online, yeah. They have a problem. What is is Jax on an ace high board? Well, that's one of the problems. But another problem is getting their money out fast. Yeah, that part sucks. You know, I've had times where it has taken me infinite amount of time me? to get my money out because it still is not mine. Me too. Ultimately, I've had that with more, more than one site even. Yeah. I'm very upset about that, by the way. It's, yeah, yeah. It's upsetting. Yeah, it sucks. 18K I lost, Jonathan. Dude, I'm right there with you. I'm it's right there with you. Brutal. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about things that can solve that. Okay. Well, one of them is Nitrogen Sports Poker, baby. Because it's Bitcoin only, and that's yeah. what Jonathan's talking about. And there are sites that use Bitcoin that aren't nitrogen, but I don't know of any that give you your money in 90 minutes when you no. ask for it. I'm not sure. I'm not, it's possible there aren't any. It's possible there's, there's some I've never heard of, but this is the place. Man. And I'm not These talk- guys deliver. I'm not talking about 
business hours. It's not like right. you request it with 60 minutes left on the Friday business hours. You don't get it until 30 minutes into Monday or anything like that. None of that BS. It's literally you request it, 90 minutes later, you got it. Yeah, it's super, super sweet. And to be clear, the other sites that do use Bitcoin as a payment method take usually a 48-hour processing window before they even decide to send it out to you. Like someone has to look it over, approve it. Why would they have to do that, by the way? That is this not is your bit, money and your wallet. That's how Bitcoin works. It's, the, it's against the whole concept, yeah. man. So anyway, so Nitrogen Sportsbook are super great for that. Not only that, though, Grant, they're great for other things. Such as? Well, such as sports betting, such as casino games, and such as the Poker Guys monthly tournament, which happens at the end of every single freaking month. They guarantee 1,000 buy-ins. Well, yeah, we screwed that up. Um, <laughs> they guarantee 1,000 buy-ins, 100 millibits. It costs one-tenth of a millibit to play, which these days is, I don't know, 35, 40 cents, something like that. Uh, we only get like 80-some-odd people playing at any time, meaning there's a massive overlay that's like 920 buy-in overlay, to be clear. It's crazy not to play this every single time. Well, how do you, you even play it? I don't see it when I log oh, in. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. You have to... Use the link in the description of this podcast to sign up for Nitrogen. That's all you got to do. Right. The link is there. The link is on our YouTube videos. The link yep. is your life. The link is life. Link is life. Life is link. Link is life. Link is life. <laughs> Nitrogen sports. Link is life. Are you doing like one of us? Yeah, kind of. Okay, good. A little bit of that. Cool, cool. Google gobble. All right. Moving on. All right. Ace, deuce, three, two diamond board. The ace of diamonds, the deuce of spades, the three of diamonds. Elias has bet 1,400 with two jacks, no diamonds. Dan Smith has called with king of diamonds, ten of not diamonds. The pot is 6,300. The turn is the seven of clubs. Never changes anything, Jonathan, unless somebody made a set of sevens or ace seven. Yeah. Those are the only... Those ways. are those are the two main ways. You don't think anybody's playing seven three suited, do you? Seven deuce suited? There's a tiny chance Dan Smith is showing up with those hands. Um... I'm not sure, but I think it's unlikely. I don't think it's a thing we have to... We're, we'd be more concerned about A7, I think, than 7-3 suited, right? Yeah. Well, obviously we would anyway. There's more combos of it, but yeah. Right. So Elias is going to check. Now he's doing, doing the pot control thing, and... Well, this is good. This I is like one of those him. times where it just... It continues to suck, right? You're like, I guess I check. I don't know. I mean, checking makes more sense to me on the turn now, right? Because so we've bet once we've been called, which means now we know Dan Smith has something. And the things he can have are hands that are ahead of us. Yeah. Made hands that are behind us. Yeah. Which if we bet again, are probably going to fold a lot. If we bet again. Not always, but a lot of the time. Um, Or draws. Uh, If we check, a lot of time the draws are going to bet. Sometimes the hands that are better than us are going to bet. Sometimes they're going to check. Um, Sometimes the hands that are almost never is the made hand that's worse than us going to bet. Right. So I like checking because now we've got some bluffs in there for sure. And the hands that are better than us aren't going to fold to our bet anyway. So we pay that same amount, but this way we get to keep the the bluffs giving us money. Yeah. I like that. Smith certainly has a hand that is capable of bluffing here with King High. He doesn't even have a draw. I mean, he's draw. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to bluff. Well, he doesn't have to, but I would expect him to a lot here for a diamond. He would have preferred a diamond on the turn to to bluff, but Dan's going to follow through with the plan anyway. He's going to bet 3,200 into 6,300. Yeah. There's not a ton to say about that. This was the plan all along. Right. I mean, if, if he doesn't pick up equity and Darren checks, he's betting. That's it. Okay. Against some opponents, you can consider folding. Can you consider folding as Darren Elias against Dan Smith here? I mean, it doesn't seem possible that we could consider folding, really, right? Like, the diamonds are out there. There are gut shots. That's about it. But that's okay, because there aren't 
there are aces we're losing to, but that's most of what we're losing to when we're losing, right? Usually, usually there's going to be a raise, even on that flop, on that flop specifically. I would think if um, if Dan had like flop two pair or something like that, like ace three yeah. or ace deuce or a set. Usually, not every time, not every time, but yeah. a lot of the time. Um, Dan isn't actually even going to bet all his aces, or even if he does bet his aces, he's going to bet them and then often check them on the on the river. Like if he's got like ace nine, he may not bet the river with it with ace nine if if we call the turn anyway. So I think it's a pretty clear call, but you know it sucks. Yes, the sizing also makes it a little easier to call. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, thing, he could be setting up a know, shove. The thing that we know is that if we call a lot of the time, if Dan is bluffing, a big bet's coming on the river. Yeah, a big bet's going to come on the river if, if Dan's bluffing, or if he's got a if he's got a pretty strong hand. Yeah. So all right, let's that's fair. Let's enumerate some of Dan's range here. That is the more reasonable parts of his range, not the random king high float bluff hands. Great. Um, so what are what are the aces? Do you think he's betting every ace when checked to? I don't think he's betting every ace. I think he's Darren's betting. Darren's going to check a lot of aces. Yeah, right? yeah. I think Darren's going to check a lot of aces here. Um, Even I think ace king sometimes. Yeah, probably at least a little bit, right? Yeah. He's probably betting ace king a lot, but checking it sometimes. I think Dan might be betting aces that have equity. Sorry, Im- equity to improve and not just two pair improvement, meaning ace four and ace five. Okay. Those those aces make a lot of sense because if a four or five comes on the river to make him either aces up or straight specifically more more to the straight than the aces up. Um, it's going to be harder to pull value on the river, and also you want to build the pot so that way you can more reasonably be called by a big, a bigger bet on the river. All right, so those would be betting with the intention of checking back the river yes, if they don't improve. Absolutely. Okay. I think any one pair of hand that Dan is betting, like if Dan has ace nine, yeah, is he going to bet the turn to bet the river? Seems questionable. Yes, I, I don't think he is. My question is ace queen. If he decided not to three bet ace queen, pre-flop, okay. Would ace he, queen. Would he go for the river? I think he would. Yeah, I think he has to. Ace jack to me is the is is maybe a more interesting question because I yeah. think ace queen is a pretty straightforward yes, right? Yeah, I think ace jack. He's probably betting the river also, but that's probably the end of it. Ace ten is like super close. Probably not ace ten, but probably you decided to check back ace ten because there's a little too many ace jacks and maybe even fold out worse aces sometimes, which is now not what you want to do, right? Well, do you think Dan might even just be checking ace six through ace nine here? I think it's possible he is. Yes. Yeah. Um. Because why not? Sort right. of like like if Darren had a draw, he'd keep going. If Darren had a strong made hand, he'd usually continue. Right? You think you usually have the best hand, and you're worried he's just going to fold. By checking back, we can bluff catch, or we can bet for value on the river. We're in position. I really like checking back those hands. All right, so we're down to the aces that Dan is betting being aces up and ace ten plus on the turn, and like ace four, ace five, I think. Okay, yeah, and those. So. That's not a huge range because no. a lot of the ace 10 plus are going to be three bets. By the way, some of the ace four, ace five are going to be three bets too. Yeah. So it's not really that many hands that, right. are, that are one pair aces. Agreed. Aces up, same thing. A lot of those are going to be three bets some of the time. Some of the time, yeah. Of course, ace 70 is going to bet where he makes two pair. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, other than that, he has slow played sets and straights. He turned a set once in a while with, in, into yeah. a set of sevens once in a while. Yeah. Not something to be super concerned about, but nope. yeah. And maybe a few other weird two pairs, like we were sort of kicking around, like maybe a funky 7-3 suited right. can have that, but if I he, think. But if he plays a reasonable amount of gut shots and flush draws just like this, which I imagine he does. I do, too. Then this is an easy call, like yep. you said, with Jax. Against the guy who's going to bet all his all his equity draws and all his misses when he has two back doors and yep. misses, then this is just like, yeah. You just have to call on the turn anyway. You just have to. All right. So he does. He calls. Yeah. 12,700 in the pot. 
And once we talk about the the river a little bit, I'm going to have a question. Okay. A conceptual question. Cool. And I want you to remind me that I had this question if I forget. I'm going to do my Just best. tell me. I, uh, ask your question. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. So, the river is the three of spades. It pairs the three. Shouldn't really change anything. You wouldn't expect Dan to bet a three on the turn. Not very often. Elias he, could have a three more than Dan at this point. Yeah, I think that's right. If he's opening a bunch of 3x. Is there a chance Dan is sometimes betting a three just to protect his equity? Sometimes, maybe. But usually he's going to check that back. He needs to have a check back range. Yeah. That's like so, the, He's betting all these other things. He just has to have some made hands that are check backs. So the threes make a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's not a huge part of Dan's range. Darren checks again. I don't see any value in betting. Agreed. All right. Dan's going to do what we've seen people doing a lot recently. He's just going to put it all in. Yeah. Which is more than pot. Is it's, it? Uh, yeah. 16K into 12.7. Wow. So okay. This limits the value range. It does. Now Dan really never has ace nine here or ace 10 or ace jack even. Or maybe he could have ace queen and do this. I think he's he could super have ace, sick. I think he could have ace queen. That's like, that's like to me the, the bottom of the value range is ace queen though. Do you agree with that? Can he, can he do this with he Ace can Jack? Find, I think he can find it with Ace Jack if he can find it with Ace Queen. He's going to find it with Ace Jack and sort of like be like, don't snap call and don't don't even call in the first 40 seconds yeah. then, right? That's the problem with doing with Ace Jack. Ace Jack is questionable. Yeah. I, Ace, Queen, I, Ace Queen, I think he would do it though. Yeah. I think he'd just like, yeah, let's shove and hope he hears Elias has a bunch of weaker aces. Let's just go. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think Ace Queen is in there. So we've, I agree. we've established eight combos that exist. Or sorry, it's 12 combos that exist that are possible for Dan to have value. What are the other value combos that Dan has? Okay. Well, the three knocks out ace deuce. It does. So yeah. that's, that sucks. That's, that's for Dan. It's knackered. Um, ace three though, of course, which yes. is a hand he might erase on the flop is the only problem. So sometimes he's going to raise that right he away. Might, he might play like, this. no, he's going to slow play, but not all the combos. Right. Right. Um, but he, but he has all the combos. He also might have three bet it preflop. Yeah. That's true of any of his aces though. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's assume he's mostly calling with them and mostly not three betting. Okay. Them. Okay. I think that's fair. So if there's 16 combos of ace three to start with, there's two threes on the board and an ace on the board. So you're down to six combos, right? Available yeah. of ace three. I can't imagine he's three betting even one of those combos most of the time. But I do think he's raising on the flop with with more, way more than one of those combos. Yeah, like, he's the majority least, of the time. Yeah, like four out of the six times, right? At least yeah. half the time, probably more. Probably, I agree, at least four out of the six. So maybe we're down to like two reasonable combos of ace three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that. Pocket sevens legitimately could have us just doomed. Yeah. There's three combos of that. That makes perfect sense. Sevens make sense the whole way. Yeah. So there's five combos of, of sevens and threes. Eight ace combos, three, excuse me. Uh, Twelve combos of ace queen. Twelve combos of ace, three, of ace queen. Four or five suited. You could play this way. You could have all the combos of four or five suited and do this. Yeah, he so might that's play four more. like this, yeah. Okay. That's all that really makes sense to me. I guess set of deuces. Set of deuces, quad threes that he slow plays. Possible. Yeah. He's going to raise those sometimes on the flop, but not always. He's got somewhere between 20 and 28 combos of value, it seems like. Okay. Which is not that much compared to the amount of bluffs he can have if he can have so many gut shots and flush draws. And as we can see, he can just have the backdoor not flush draw that turns into a bluff. When you are aware that he can have all these extra hands, this starts to feel like a super easy way to play against him, right? Right. And I... Th- this is where it comes to my question because he moves in for 16K. Yeah. And we keep seeing this among super high level players where they're moving in as bluffs on the river in spots like this. And I know you have to have balance because you want to have value sometimes. But are people deciding that there are so many times to be polarized when really there aren't? Hmm. The, to put it more easily and more conceptually for this hand, 
is he not missing out on value in this one spot by not he's betting too much, like missing out on a value bluff by that. I mean, not charging himself too much when he's bluffing because he's getting uh. either called less when he bets less or the same amount. Is that happening a lot with these guys? You're wondering if the fact that he's jamming actually makes people, because it's so obviously polarized, means people are like, well, now I can call you with, with all my heroes. I can call you with any ace now. Right. Um, as opposed to like, if you bet 8,000 and I've got ace five yeah. suited as Darren Elias, I'm like, geez, like, well, that, this sucks. That either, either they call more uh, when it's 16K or they call the same amount and you're charging yourself twice as much mm-hmm. when they bet 16K. Right. Because you can have your other reasons to to fold when it's cheaper, and yeah. other reasons to call when it's cheaper. You sure. Know? But so I'm wondering if people are doing this too much, choosing polarizing sizing too frequently. I will say that Dan Smith is is you know tenth all time in in money. Yes, he's so good. He's really really good. And what I'm about to say maybe not sophisticated enough for the kinds of things that he's actually doing. Having said that, uh this hand that he's holding doesn't really make any sense as one of the, the shoves for when you're polarized. I don't know why he's picked this hand to do it with, except he's found himself in the spot and he's just taking a shot. You think because it makes his bluff range too big? Yeah, exactly. Because he should just have, like, he just sh- should choose some flush draws and some gut shots. Right, this isn't those. either. Yeah. Um, maybe, no, I can't, I'm really struggling to come up with with that, I'm also struggling to come up with like so when Darren calls the, the three on the river. By the way, is just such a bad card for Dan to then shove on. It yeah. really hurts him because Darren has threes. Darren has threes. Dan doesn't have that many threes that he that he'll play this way. Almost none, in fact. Like we said, it's like pocket sevens, ace three, ace queen, which four, isn't five. a three. Four five. There's some hands, but yeah. like we said, there's that three knocks out so many things and makes everything like tougher for him to really have. Now, maybe, remember, we saw Jake Cody one time shove on the river. This isn't a tournament, but shove in, against Robert Mizoraki with ace five in yeah. a spot like this where he got check raise on the turn, called the raise with just a pair of aces, and then Robert Mizoraki checked his pocket eights, yeah. and Jake's like, oh, yeah, top pair is way good here, and shoved somehow and got called, and it was amazing. It and, was incredible. But isn't that like, I mean, the point is that was incredible, right? That's not yeah. standard, and... There's no way Dan's got a million shoves here, right? No. He just doesn't have that many. So if he doesn't have that many, how, how is King 10 without even the flush draw part of our range? Like, how are we putting that in there? I don't understand how he gets to putting that in there. Maybe he looks at Darren and feels like Darren's weak. Maybe he picks up a tell or something like that, and it's just working off that and doesn't matter. He's like, who cares about balance? Who cares about anything? Darren's weak. He's going to fold most of the time. Nothing else matters. By the I way, guess. Darren is weak. Darren's got jacks. This is kind of... Feels like almost a perfect play against the hand that Darren actually has, but still, it feels really questionable because he's gonna have too many bluffs. Yeah, it really does feel that way. And by the way, Darren could play an ace just like this, and against yeah. a player like Dan Smith, is just not folding an ace. I don't know if that's true or not. When Darren has a six, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, with an ace. maybe. Uh, and I Jackson, think, I think for Jackson, a six play the same. See, this is I, I go back to the shove is a problem. Yeah, I think sizing it smaller actually might get more folds. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. He's trying to fold out like a reasonable ace, isn't he? He's not just a six. He's trying to fold out like ace nine. Right, but... He's afraid if he bets 8,000, ace nine. You're not call. usually going to do that anyway, but I think you have a better chance of doing it betting 8,000 than you do 16,000 because you just don't have that much value when you bet 16,000. I mean, I think ace nine's calling when you bet 
I think that it's river. calling both times. I think yeah. you just have a better chance of folding it out if yeah. you bet less. Yeah. It's weird. It's like Dan Smith just decides, like, like I feel like you generally want to bluff when the cards really sort of work with you to make a bluff make sense. The story makes sense. Um, everything fits. That's the best times to bluff. Sometimes you can just bluff anyway. It doesn't matter because your opponent yeah. is weak. I don't know that Darren Elias would count as one of the weak guys, though. No, certainly not. Right? Like, he's been on TV a million times. He's won lots of things. He's won a lot of money. He's probably very comfortable in this spot, right? So trying to push him off a hand like Ace-Nine just feels questionable when you're not telling a good story. Because Dan Smith is not telling a good story right now. Right. So, yeah, I'm just not in love with this at all. Yeah, by the way, King High... If somehow Darren played a flush draw like this, which I don't imagine he would, King yeah. I would be good a lot of the well every time because he's the king of diamonds, right? So, but I Darren mean, wouldn't play a flush draw. Like he just this. wouldn't. Yeah, there's no way he'd bet the turn or check raise the turn or something. He would never check call. Yeah, I think this is just a problematic line run out and sizing for Dan Smith. I feel like Dan's supposed to look at the the three on the river and just check it back and be like, "That's a bad card for me." Like yeah. I just lose. I lose so much. So many of the things I want. Like there's so many good cards. A four, a five, great cards yeah. for me. Um, a diamond, great card. A best card for me is yeah. a diamond. Um, maybe even just some bricks. Maybe a nine is a good card for me. And that, like, it's hard. Now I can have all the aces up. I can have all these two pair combos and stuff like that. Which you just can't have. Now he has ace. We didn't include ace seven, by the way, as a shove. But ace seven's a part of the shoving range, yeah. too. Um, but there just aren't that many shove hands for him. So as long as he's doing this with enough bluffs... It's actually a really straightforward call for Elias, even though he only has jacks. And this, which, you know, I'm not saying it's fun, but like as long as Dan Smith is a, even a little bit like, yeah, I might just be crazy right now, you just can't fold. Yeah. Right? It's weird. This is what's, what's so weird about poker. Like the story is like, yeah, you have, a, you have a good ace. And I lose every time to it if the story is true. But the story is just not true enough. Doesn't feel that true when you make it 16 into 12. Yep. Feels a little desperate. I'm surprised. I would maybe maybe Dan is way more balanced than I'm thinking against a guy like Elias, or maybe like I said, he picked up some on something and just felt he was weak because Darren is weak. He is. Darren's weak enough that he probably is usually going to fold Jackson in the spot, even yeah. though it makes sense to call as we're sort of seemingly getting to. Yeah. And Darren does call. Darren calls anyway because he's Darren. Yeah. And because it makes sense to call. Of course. No, I'm saying Darren works out that it makes sense to call and actually and pulls the trigger, which. A lot of players can do one or the other, but usually not both. They pull the trigger at the wrong times because they don't make, they don't work it out or they work it out, but they don't pull the trigger because it sucks, you know, but he's Darren. He does both. Yeah. I think this Dan Smith kid, maybe should just stick to tournaments. Maybe stick to cowboy hats. Yeah. What are you doing? No. Playing with the big boys. <laughs> Dan, we don't mean that, but we are questioning some of these decisions here. It's possible that this money is meaningless to Dan Smith and he's just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just chuck this 20K into the abyss. Well, it is possible he's playing much bigger cash games. We've talked about this about, um, was it Matt Berkey? Yeah. Where, like, there may be some actual advertising value here. Where it's like, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, it still is worth it to me because I'm not playing 100 or 100, 200. I'm playing 1,000, 2,000 normally or something like that. Or, you know, yeah. 300, 500 or whatever. Or Dan's just really, because I really haven't seen him on cash games much. Or he's really just a tournament guy and he's got a ton of money because he's done so well in tournaments. Yeah. And he's like... Man, this is like not a not a meaningful amount of money to me. I'm just gonna mess around and have fun in this game. Is it possible live at the bike just put him in the the game? Probably not for twenty k. No, they're not giving. That's too much. Yeah, no chance. But yeah, it's possible just messing around. 
Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been in spots where I know my story is bad. Sure. And I'm doing it anyway because I still think it's probably going to work. And then you wait and you see. <laughs> so maybe he just thinks like, eh, screw all the balance, screw everything. This is going to work way more than it is. And so who cares about, every, who cares about everything else? The problem yeah. is Darren's like, meh, I don't think so. Should have worn the cowboy hat. That would have helped a lot. Yeah. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic And I can show every single MC how it's done right Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not We got one life And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne And gonna be traveling the globe We still have time to make it home